0: And what he went through for you and I. Because Jesus went to the cross and died, you and I have life everlasting. Amen? And so as we read through those scriptures this morning, I just pray that you will be touched by the reading of God's word and the story once again of of the cruel death that our Savior went through um, for us. And so the songs that we sing this morning... Uh, will help us focus on that time as well. In Psalm 91, the psalmist says these words, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. As we gather today, I know we have a lot of things on our hearts We have a lot of different things running through our mind, especially uh, after we received news of what took place in our community last night. And the one place that we have to turn every day is Almighty God, in whom we take refuge, in whom we find our rest. And so I pray that we keep that in mind, not just today, but every day of our life as we uh, walk the journey with our Lord and our Savior. On Thursday of that final week of Jesus' life, you remember he and his disciples would share a special meal together. It was special because it celebrated the Jewish feast known as Passover. And if you look back in Luke chapter 20, Jesus arrived in the city of Jerusalem just a few days prior. And as we see from Luke 20, his second day in town was immediately filled with controversy. And on that Monday, the Jewish religious leaders tried everything they could to trap Jesus with trick questions. But Jesus masterfully pointed them back to his God-given authority. But over the next few days, the hatred for Jesus just grew. And so the events surrounding this special meal would cast a long shadow on the celebration that they were about to take place with. And if you look back in Luke chapter 22, about the first 13 to 14 verses, back in that culture, women were usually the ones to carry the water jars. So just the sight of man doing this kind of work, sorry ladies, would be out of ordinary, okay? And so the owner of a particular house showed them a large upstairs room that was fully furnished, And it was Peter and John that would have had to prepare the items for the meal, the Passover lamb, as well as the unleavened bread and herbs and wine. And so Jesus sent Peter and John to make preparations for the meal. But church, here's the story. God had been preparing the table itself for centuries. All Jesus was doing was fulfilling the plan Of his Father. You see, Jesus set us a great example in the fact that the one thing that he always strived to do in his life was to do his Father's will and to do his mission. You and I need to learn from that, don't we? That we're put on this earth not for us, but we're put here on this earth to fulfill our Father's will. God has a plan for every one of us. And you and I are included in that plan. And as you read the story, you go on to see that we're going to be saved by the blood of the Lamb. Luke chapter 22 verse 7 makes it clear that animals were still being sacrificed then and so, 1,400 years of sacrifice after sacrifice, animal after animal, sin after sin. And in the Messiah, the Jews were looking for a new Moses, but instead, God would give them a new lamb. And we know that that lamb's name is Jesus. And I want you to hear the story beginning in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 39. "'Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. "'On reaching the place, he said to them, "'Pray that you will not fall into temptation. "'He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. "'He knelt down, and he prayed. "'And he said, "'Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. "'Yet not my will, but yours, be done. "'An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him.' And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And when he rose from prayer and went back to his disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And while he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. And he approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? And when Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priest and the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. And then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. And Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them and a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight and she looked closely at him and said this man was with him but he denied it woman i don't know him he said a little later someone else saw him and said you also are one of them man i am not peter replied about an hour later another asserted certainly this fellow is with him for he is a galilean and peter replied man i don't know what you're talking about Just as he's speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, and then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. And the men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded prophecy, who will hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. And at daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. You are the Messiah, they said. Just tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I ask you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you then the Son of God? He replied, you say that I am. And then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, we have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. And then Pilate announced to the chief priest and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up all the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. And on hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. And from that he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. And then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends, because this they had been enemies. Pilate called therefore the chief priests and the rulers and the people, and he said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I've examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither has Herod, for he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty, therefore I will have him punished and then release him. But with the loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified, and their shouts prevailed, and so Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had him thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country. And put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us. And do the hills cover us? For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. and When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you're under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until... 3 in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two Jesus called out with a loud voice father into your hands i commit my spirit and when he said this he breathed his last the centurion seeing what had happened praised god and said surely this was a righteous man and when all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place they beat their breast and went away "...but all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. And he came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. And then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb." cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. And Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. I want you to go back to just a moment to that favorite restaurant that you have. It's probably outside of Paris. And here's why I say that it's all the more special because you've only been there just a few times. And as you go, you're reminded that the food at this particular restaurant is just a little bit better, the service is just a little bit more attentive. The atmosphere is just a little bit different than any place that you've been. And so, maybe a few times a year, you find yourself going to that restaurant because it's a special place for you and your family. As we've read these scriptures this morning, do you see the meal? Do you see the table? Do you see what was prepared for us? All because Jesus said yes to his Father's will. He did all of that so that you and I can experience a meal like no other, but it's a meal that reminds us, here is why I'm here. This is why God has given me life to live. And as as I've read these scriptures this morning and, and looked at them this week, I keep going back in my mind saying, what have I done to deserve this? What did I do to deserve God's Son going to the cross to die for me? But when you look back in Luke 22 and Luke 23 you begin to see a few things about this meal and about the table. Number one, it affirms the love that Jesus has for us. You know, normally at a Jewish Passover meal, a person is designated to ask this particular question as the meal is started. Why is this night different from all other nights? And the presider answers by explaining the significance of the Jews eating the Passover meal in Egypt years ago. And then a little later, the one presiding would hold up the loaf of unleavened bread and explain, this is the bread of affliction which your fathers ate in the wilderness. And I'm sure when Jesus held up the loaf in front of his disciples during that meal that night, they expected to hear those words, this is the bread of affliction, But that's not what Jesus said. Instead, look back at Luke 22, verse 19. He says, this is my body given for you. I want you to imagine the curious looks on the faces of the disciples. And then a little later in the meal, one of the cups of wine is shared, and and instead of explaining Its usual significance, Jesus says in verse 20, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And so whenever we come to the table, we're reminded of his death and we're reminded of what he went through for us. These readings this morning have really reminded us of just how deep the Father's love really is. What a moving song, as it tells the story that we've read this morning from Scripture. And what the song does is it puts us in there. And it helps us to take ownership to realize, wow, He went to the cross for me. Jimmy, He went to the cross for you. Marie, He went for you. He went for all of us this morning. And so because of His love, here's what He does every day. He invites us to come to His table. Yes, the bread and the cup are symbols of His body and His blood. But we must never forget that they are powerful symbols of his love so not only does this table remind us and affirm of us of his love but it also affirms our faith because you see throughout history the jews became fond remembering what god had done for them by saying this the eternal did for me when i went out of egypt These people had not literally been brought out of Egypt because they lived hundreds and hundreds of years after the time of Moses, yet they so closely identified that deliverance that they could say, this, the eternal did for me when I went out of Egypt. And so here's what we affirm. When you and I come to the table of Jesus with our faith, in essence, here's what we say. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. And Jesus, my sins were the cause of your death. And when you take ownership and look at it from that perspective, it can't help but strengthen our faith every time we gather around the table. And every time we take the loaf and drink of the wine, we're reminded. His body and his blood was crucified for me. And again, in verse 19 of Luke 22, Jesus says this Do this in remembrance of me. And finally, this morning, as we come to the table, it affirms our salvation. In the upper room that night, Jesus told his disciples in verse 18, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. I like the words of A.T. Pearson when he writes, the link between the cross and the crown is the table of the Lord. He goes on to say, do not forget when you sit down at the communion that the bread and the cup point back To Christ's accomplished work and forward to your accomplished salvation. So it's a time to look back. But it's also a time to look forward to who we are in Jesus. Do you hear that church? You are here today because Jesus loves you. How much? This much. That he went to the cross and died. And so, as we do this every week, I pray that it never becomes just a ritual. But I pray we're reminded weekly, look at what my Savior did for me. And look at what he offers the whole world. Again, he died so the whole world would have an opportunity to be saved. It's good for us to be here today. Amen? It is good for us to gather around the table. And it is good for us To hear Jesus say these words to us once again. Do this in remembrance of me. And there's not a day that goes by where you and I cannot say the words, I need you, Jesus. I need you to come to my rescue. And I need you to deliver me from something that I can't deliver myself from. That right there makes it worthwhile and it makes it good for us to gather around the table. And so after centuries in the making, God has fully made all the preparations and it's as if he says to us every week, your table is ready, won't you come?